What is up, everybody? You are listening to the Playing Out Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. This episode is brought to you by my Patreon page, patreon.com slash the Playing On Podcast. It'll be down here where I'm pointing my fingers. Uh, but I, I created a, a, a Patreon page to kind of help keep this thing going. Uh, that's really my goal and, and what I want to do. And uh, I created a Patreon page to do that. And I'll also be making a launch video here soon uh, to kind of explain what Patreon is. But it's it's a subscription-based uh, program to kind of help keep the train a-moving with this. And if you guys enjoy the content, uh, go ahead and get on there and contribute. I'll explain everything in the launch video. But uh, just kind of want to give you guys a heads up on this podcast. Just go check it out. Uh, it is patreon.com slash the playing on podcast. Pretty simple. But thank you, everybody listening. Make sure you check it out. Uh, this episode is with Tyler Fair. He is the anodizing magician from Aesthetic Anodizing. Uh, I have had my LVR done from him. There have been multiple pros on the circuit who have had all kinds of all kinds of uh, work done from uh, done from Tyler, and he is consistently busy and has been turning out amazing looking uh, designs from splash to acid wash to uh, he actually did this slick one that he actually showed on the podcast it was like this matte black with a a gloss red like design on the inside on this dye marker it was it was pretty sweet i can't i can't lie about that but um but yeah tyler does amazing work uh you can check him out over at aesthetic anodizing all of the um all the platforms of social media and whatnot but uh, i want to give you guys a heads up the audio was not great on his end he was kind of switching back and forth between um between Wi-Fi and his internet, and it was kind of going back and forth. So, please follow through. Uh, it's it's worth listening to. It's a great story. Some of it might be choppy, but um, but I know you guys will listen. It's it's intriguing stuff, man. I I promise you. But um, here is the podcast with Tyler Fair. But this no, I don't do these live. I do all of these uh, pre-recorded like this, and then I just go in, and that's when I add all the the ads and and whatnot. So I'll actually go in and then promote. I just launched the Patreon page, so okay. that hopefully get some traffic that way. And if there's anything that you want to, you know, put on black, well, this whole thing is pretty much going to be a commercial for your you know, ad for your your business. So. No, but it's it's also it's also cool to like as like I've seen you start doing this and stuff. I'm like, you know what? Like, good. To, like, there's a lot of conversation stuff like that. Like, and I played against you and stuff in various leagues and shit over the years. And mm-hmm. I see the Tipman Effect jersey right there, and I just got up. Yeah. Just got off the phone with uh, with Buddy Bauer himself. So he's like, "You're talking to Carl?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, I played with him. I'm like, "Who haven't you played with? You've played with everyone. I'm pretty sure you played with God and Moses." And so- <laughs> I've only played with Buddy like, I think like a fraction of a time. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because I was on by the time that he kind of got on with rhythm and that whole thing that was going on, I was already moving out and moving over to. I moved out to Seattle, and uh, out there is when I 
I was going to try out for the Naughty Dogs, but I ended up going for a tryout for Excessive at the time. And the rest is history. And the rest is history. It was fun history, though. It was a, That was a good time, man. Dude, that's when that's when the sport was like, it was nuts. Mm-hmm. It was. I remember, like, I mean, I was playing Canada, obviously, so it wasn't at the same scale. But yeah. you know, um, a couple series and stuff like that, and kids were coming up to me in my high school. And our high schools aren't huge, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, "Oh, you play for this team, you play for that team," and I'm like, "Who the hell are you?" <laughs> these people, like, all these random people, had like sick guns and were playing and stuff, and then the industry went to shit when 2008 happened and the money dropped. Out. Right. Do you think that that was like when that whole thing happened? Do you think it was mainly because most of the people that were involved in in recreational paintball, uh, kind of nobody was playing recreational paintball anymore anymore, and that's kind of the reason why. Because I feel like everybody uh, who played professionally was still kind of sticking around and was in there throughout. The difference, though, I think, really that happened was. Like you had, um, it, it's all your luxuries and stuff like that that take a, a cinch right away. Right. It's not like you're not going to go to the doctor, you're not going to go to the dentist, you're going to mm-hmm. cut the certain things. And since we're such like a luxury sport, so to speak. Absolutely. And really, when you think about it, I mean, I've always said it, and I said this has been our downfall since like the beginning I started playing was, you know, my mom was always like, why can't you play hockey? Why can't you play soccer? Mm-hmm. Like, I buy it ads and stuff you can buy like amazing stuff and it's like three hundred dollars last you two years you know mm-hmm. you know it's a consumable every time we go out right so it just adds up quicker and quicker and i think that really was like a downfall because when you think about it the average players in canada is spending like 72 dollars just to go out and play paintball right yeah 72 canadian so it's like three dollars american or something <laughs> See, I, no. I, I, there's, there's always been this comparison, and I've heard it multiple times too. Of like, like we see. I think it's also too because we play paintball at you know some of the highest levels, and we we see the luxuries, but then we also see the struggles and all this. And I try and compare it to like the other sports, right? And I'm like I'm slowly getting into hunting, and I feel like that kind of has a comparison to paintball too, because you know you have these guys going out there getting the best gear. Um, you know, getting all the best equipment that they can get. And then on top of that, they need to get, a, anytime they go hunting, they need to get a deer tag. They need to pay somebody to, to you know, butcher the deer or whatever, unless they do it themselves. And then also I look at it, I'm like, okay, well, what about snowboarding? So, okay, so you have guys going out there getting the best boards, the best bindings, the best this. And if they go on a mountain, they have to pay a ski lift every time they go. Um for the for the most let's say let's say for the general consumer who goes out goes out and does it right so like i I look at paintball i'm like okay a luxury sport is it because we're just seeing the money fly out of our barrels every time every time we're shooting or is it because we're just so we're so adapted to this game that we play and we're so uh comfortable with it that we can just it's so easily said that it's like, okay, it's a luxury sport and it's just, you know, it's too expensive for people to play. And we kind of give it this excuse. Well, it's funny. Like you mentioned that, like uh, when you talk about dollars flying out the barrel, um, I remember we were playing CXBL and it remember it was 15.4, right? Mm -hmm. So I actually was like, you know, 
looking at the numbers and it worked out that if you're playing the lower divisions and stuff and you weren't playing in the elite and had the support and the spot that a lot of players had worked out to something like 75 cents a step <laughs> and like you're literally just watching them like five guys off the break shooting their guns it's like it's a 10 second break like how many dollars is that? Mm-hmm. literally just watching it burn but i really think the issue becomes because I mean, paint is we're consumable sport. There's no way you can do what we do with one balls. Unfortunately, just that's the nature of the sport. Mm-hmm. And we're in a position where paint companies have it monopolized. Like, I mean, there's, you can't, it's like if you want to go racing and you don't have race fuel, right. luck, right. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a hard thing to to explain and there really is no direct consumer comparison funny like i you know i've been in so many different industries over the last couple of years i left um <clears throat> i started in a self writer before i before that sorry it was basically i was managing a nightclub mm-hmm. uh that i was full-time in a cell phone provider left that for general motors right there for years. i went to the beauty industry and I aesthetic full so during that course, it's always trying to explain to people like the hell it was I did. I would always tell people like, oh, you want to play a tournament? You know how it is. Guessing sometimes you just don't know who the hell they are. Yeah. And I I remember going to like events and tournaments and I didn't really know anyone on my team. And trying to explain this to people that I worked with, like, hey, so you're flying into the state. You don't know who any of these people are playing paintball <laughs> but like when you say it like that it sounds weird but yeah yeah you know like i went to england and i played with the five star guys great guys but i mean the only real people that i knew on that team were the damage boys and like him that was it like i'm playing with mm-hmm. crazy it's it's funny how we almost have like an international billet system with the sport. It's such a tight-knit community that's... I, there's nothing really like it. Like, I got stranded in Boston when I came to fight. And, uh... Boston like, oh, yeah, I my book. Yeah. Like, it, it's just, like, you know, my my employer was like, oh, my God, like, you're stranded. Like, what are you going to do? I was like, just, just chill. It's Boston. Like, I know, like, 20 people here. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. How do you, like, relax. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really... There really isn't anything like it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree, and it's 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 so tight knit, and that's and that's what I feel. Like, people hate change, but they love different things, too. So it's like that's how come with the NPL, like, you know, we've we've been so accustomed to certain things all the time, and just I feel like we we shrug off things that we think didn't work, but we only gave it this tiny little. This tiny little window, and we we're like, ah, it didn't work. On to the next thing, uh, or we hung on to these other things that were like, like, wh- why, why, why? What are we doing? And we we didn't make solutions for these things. Like, like the whole. I mean, I've, I say it all the time, but um, yeah. the semi-auto, right? Like semi-auto to me was something that could have been regulated, and I don't think. I think that we just were like, 
ah, oh, we can't, we can't fix it. We can't, uh, you know, we can't catch it. We can't this like, dude, the technology is there to be able to control these things and to be able to put them in place. But I feel like we're so set on people are going to cheat and it's just, it is what it is. I was like, dude, there's, there's, there's ways to go about things where you can catch things. There's like, there's a double edged sword to that one because like, I've always said, I mean, I mean, I had, I had cheater boards when I was playing MPPL and mm-hmm. I mean, everyone did if you knew the right people. Oh yeah. And it was just one of those things. Like some of those, some of those guns were like so good that it was so hard to catch. And I think just as people understand, um, the regulation stipulations and metrics in which stuff is measured at mm-hmm. is the work for it, right? There's always going to be that. But what they were doing with like the Bluetooth stuff that was connected to all the guns in the MPPL in like the, the later days, mm-hmm. I mean, that's in the right direction. As for like semi-auto, I think semi-auto was awesome because you really had advantage. Like, I mean, I can shoot a gun at 16 balls a second. Like, I shot my Lux 1.0 at 16 balls a second with mm-hmm. my right hand. Left hand, not so much. But, you know, right. everyone had. But it was like a lost skill. And then this whole, the true semi thing was probably the dumbest thing I think I have ever encountered ever. The fun was like, okay, I'm going to say this straight up because I don't play other sports. I don't understand it. Sports, like I'm very basic when it comes to that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I wrote an article that I never ended up publishing because I'm like, it's a little scathing. But um, I basically compared it to like if you came up through collegiate football and you made it to the NFL and they were like, okay, cool, you've made it to the NFL. It's amazing. By the way, we're not using a football anymore. We're using a golf ball and you have to run backwards blindfolded and there's three downs. Yeah. What the go get them like and not only that but like in terms of in terms from a spectator's aspect and stuff like i've always said the the quality of the webcast they're putting out now i mean even in the paintball access days and stuff people wanted to see people get ripped Mm -hmm. people love seeing people get melted at 15 balls a second i appreciate a great technical snapshot just as much as you do Mm -hmm. and i've watched Great snap battles and some guys just you know clip a dude's edge of his loader and I'm like, damn my cousin who's never played paintball isn't like shit you know jason edwards got such a technical snapshot that's amazing no he's like mouse just stuck this guy at 15 balls a second took his goddamn head off mm-hmm. that's what i want to see oh yeah and it, it's funny that we've we have such a I guess it's like an ignorant culture sometimes that we think like, okay, this is what, this is what people want. And we don't step outside of our own to be able to look at, see what the macro really wants. We always talk right. about trying public sphere and to get more views and more viewership. But we just look at that from our perspective and with our lens without really looking at it from a disconnected, truly unbiased uh, perspective. And I think right. that really hurts us at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the the NPL thing I think is is going to be pretty cool. I mean I don't know enough about it, and again, I saw them posting about four pods and a hopper, and mm-hmm. I was like, mm, Carl Markowski must. <laughs> or I've just Literally. influenced enough people with this fucking podcast where it's like, 
yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. Fine, 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 fine. Four pods and a hopper. Right, you got your wish. I was like, I think I remember an exact conversation with Carl at Badlands about how dumb the M500 was, and he was like, four pods and a hopper. And I was like, yeah, that's actually not that bad. And I played in Europe with it, and I was like, and the whole time I'm playing, I'm like, it wasn't as bad i mean it took a little bit of getting used to it instead of being like oh, okay i'm just gonna fight this guy and just mm-hmm. hold him yeah it was it wasn't bad no and it won't be and i think the, the thing is is i think people have relied and you know what we say it too um i think because back then guys used to carry as much pain as they wanted to in 10 man or whatever and everybody's like well i'm a back player so i need i need to shoot as much pain as possible it's like well, the thing is, is you're going to adapt to whatever. So now you're going to, instead of going, bah, 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 you're going to go, shoot, 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 shoot. Oh, he shot at me. Okay. Shoot, 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 shoot. And you're going to like be able to kind of adapt to that and adjust to that because you know you only have four pods, especially now because you're going to be shooting semi-auto, which means you're if you're going to be one-fingering that thing, you're going to have to be accurate as hell or be able to figure something out, especially off-handed or whatever, because now you're going to have guys flying through lanes more quickly, more frequently, because you're not going to be able to hold that lane uh, like you would some dude just sitting there shooting a bounce shot or shooting left-handed with one finger or whatever. But some guys that can shoot fast and shoot consistent are going to be able to do it. Absolutely. Well, which is nice because it that that was the one thing too was like. But they're going to have to load. Yes. And the thing is, is once you as a front player, you recognize it. It's hard. You could still do it in, in, in the ramping mode. You can still do it, but it's it's harder to recognize. But as soon as you do that in semi, it's a lot easier to recognize guys. Exactly. They'll have more of a rhythm to it, and you'll be able to figure that out and be like, okay, and then, you know, now I can go, or I can come out, you know, at that time, shoot a couple, shoot a couple balls, and then, and then go. So they'll adapt. No, and that was one of the things, too, that I found kind of funny was, like, um... <laughs> For, for a while there, we were like, why is the game slowing down? We need to make it more exciting for spectators and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, you want it more exciting for spectators. And then you release the layout like they did at PSP MAO 2013. Remember the two towers? Mm-hmm. Just set uh, 8,700 pods one way. <laughs> didn't move. Yeah, didn't need to. And, and I was like, you guys are, like, blown away at how the game slows down. Why didn't you add more bunkers? Like, the solution was simple. Like, don't design layouts to be conducive to slow play. Mm-hmm. It's really not rocket appliances here, you know? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, then there's the opposite end of the spectrum. We're like, let's put a fucking wall in the middle. Fucking right. And that worked out great. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. Like, you look back at, I mean, your days on Excessive and stuff like that when, you know, they had the actual, when it was the first, there was those trees and everything. People could just constantly move and go places. There really wasn't as much zone holding because the layouts weren't conducive to it. Mm -hmm. So really, like, it comes back on to management and ownership too like hey let's put a little bit more effort and emphasis into designing these layouts so they're exciting to people to watch because the good teams are still going to find a way to slow them down right if mm-hmm. you know so it, it, it's been interesting though. well look at seven man right seven man was unlimited paint 
uh, it was it was a little bit bigger field. It was three or you know, uh, two more guys. Uh, yeah. You know, but it was still exciting to watch. At least for me, it was exciting to watch because you can see game play play out. Develop, you know, yeah. You can see it the whole thing develop, and even if a guy went up the center, even if a guy went up the center, and uh, like I used to have to do, and then just sit there and chill and wait for a guy to come up, you shoot him, you can feel in the crowd, you can feel shit building, right? Like, oh, he, sh- he shot that guy. And you, you start to see that guy turn off. Oh, he shot that guy. Oh, he shot. And, you know, you can kind of feel the emotion of the whole thing. And that was, you know, that was semi-auto and that was unlimited paint and all this. Um, and, and what I want to do is with, with the MPL or what we want to do is we want to kind of bring that back to where there's, there's obviously it's going to be X ball and everything, but there's there's going to be those gaps in skill level and everything to where now it's not just more conducive just sit there and just shoot paint all the time and have that baseline skill level of a of a tournament marker in everybody's hand you're you're kind of bringing in that that you're going to have to learn how to do this shit over again even though even though a lot of the pro players might have gotten used to at least maybe the younger ones, because a lot of the older ones, I think, can transfer back to, to semi-auto fairly easily. Yep. Um, but I think some of the younger guys are going to have a little bit of getting used to because, like, oh, fuck, I can't shoot 10.2 balls a second left-handed. And, you know, so it's going to be like, all right, you're going to have to start actually practicing this into it, whatever else you're doing. It's kind of funny. Like, I mean, I'm no computer game nerd or anything like that, but it just it just makes me think of, like, video games, right? Mm-hmm. When you think of those RPGs and stuff where you design a character and you had like 10 points and you could like spend five in strength and then you got five other ones you got to spread through four other categories. Mm-hmm. I, we kind of basically handicapped ourselves by doing things like that. Like, I mean, you know, we, we just made everyone equal. And that's the funny thing is what athleticism is not everyone's equal. I'm sorry. That's the reality of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No words here. Like, you know, that 300-pound dude is not as fast as the 140-pound dude. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Let's stop pretending. Yeah. But 2018 and everyone's offended by everything, right? So. Well, and we can't draw a line in the sand and say, okay, well, you know, if everybody if everybody can't shoot fast and everybody has a cheater board, like, we, gotta, we have to – like, okay, I understand that a lot of people had cheater boards. But at the same time, a lot of people didn't. So it was like, how about figure out instead of saying, okay, we're just going to regulate everything. Like, cause what I think happened and I might've fucking babbled about this on the last podcast, but what I think happened was once that, that threshold was created, you had all the generations before that now have this false sense of confidence that they can control people with volume rather than accuracy. And it's like, it's like fuck, but then people are gonna be like, "Well, you can relate that to back in Ten Man or whatever, or Seven Man when you had back players shooting a bunch of paint and this and that." I was like, "Yeah, but they actually had to do it for the most part." Now you don't have to, you you do this, and it, un, until we get back to that point where we're teaching these kids to ha- you know actually gunfight and, and and control people with accuracy, it's like we're still gonna have the same issues. It's funny you mention that because like in Canada, that's that's one thing too is like when we went to the nxl rules after the last year of cxbl people are like there's no sideline coaching and then the rest of us grew up playing 
and who started playing X-Ball and went to no coaching were like, eh, like whatever. Because like, yeah. really wasn't the biggest deal. Yeah, it was a nice advantage. But, and then they're like, it's 10.2, like what the hell? And it was just funny to watch that. And they, they just kind of were like, Ugh. yeah, they didn't know how to think on their feet or think for themselves. Mm-hmm. It was con- them that was like, what do I do next? Yeah. Like, and they didn't really have that on-field awareness or, and it really hindered a lot of players, I would say, because they didn't grow up with that. You didn't need it because you're being told everything from, from a guy outside the net who has nothing to do with the game, but besides they yell at you and your teammates, possibly wrong information because by the time he gets it and then gets it to you, it might be, you know, the guy might switch or something like that. So it's like, so then the guy who gets shot turns around and goes, well, what the fuck? And then that guy said, well, if you would have listened to me the first time I yelled at you, you know, it was just like, how about we just get, get rid of it and have people think on their own on the field. Like, yeah crazy idea it's i i I enjoy like the no coaching because when i came back i took like a three-year hiatus when i was uh i was in school and i was managing this club and i came back and i was playing x-ball and i'm trying to pull like sneaky seven-man moves at the middle and i just get roasted and i was like what (laughs) yeah how do they know this and then i'm like why is this guy yelling to them like what the hell's like oh they're allowed to coach i was like oh no wonder i keep getting ripped right like you know they're i hated it so much dude it was cool like i didn't mind it 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 helped me a couple times and get my head blown off and i appreciate that but ultimately like when it changed i really wasn't Mm -hmm. that with it and that's really it really shows the pedigree of uh talented players versus machines like there's a lot that just listen and do what they were told exactly when they were told Mm-hmm. And there's guys that can create shit on the fly and make stuff happen, like, like Rainy, you know, like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's. Um, I'm interested to see what the MPL does. I'm definitely interested. Um, and well, actually, was to to go back a second there when you talked about um, gunfighting with accuracy. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that was funny between Canada and the states is I remember when Sam uh, Monville was up for one of the CXBLs, and I was like, okay, okay, like, for real here, what's the difference between us and the U.S.? He's like, you know, in higher-tier U.S. divisions, they gunfight to kill you. Up here, guys just gunfight 15 balls a second to put you in and go. Mm-hmm. Like, they have the intention of actually trying to shoot you. They just want to get beside you and rip you in the pack. Right. And it, it's even funny to see that because – trying to tell these kids around here, I'm like, don't like gunfight to put the guy in gunfight to kill the guy. Yeah. And that is a good idea. <laughs> no shit. You can't, you don't have to move. Like, I mean, you control the zone. Yeah. See, that's why I'm like, my style of play is so not conducive to like, of the style well, we, of game today. We, we share the style, bro. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's why I, you know, um, I, I've said it before on the podcast, man. I I rarely go a point in a match without shooting, like, probably going through my whole hopper. Sometimes I don't even go through my whole hopper or even, God forbid, load a pod. What's that? More than that. Shoot more than that. 
<laughs> See, yeah. I, like me, my intention, and I think it goes back to like kind of to kind of tie it into what we were talking about before of when like paint being so expensive, and and I, yeah. I think this kind of subconsciously goes back to that when I I couldn't afford you know to buy a whole case where I would buy just five hundred two bags of five hundred two. Yeah. I'm down to- well, the other one was just in case, and then I would give that back and get my money back, uh, you know, and then so, yeah. Yeah, That's see, smart. and then I would be like, okay, but if I opened it, then, it, all right, then I bought it. But I would, uh, you know, I every ball that I put out has the intention of it's either going to hit you or be close enough to where you're going to flinch and I'm going to move. And, yeah. I, and I thought about that at, at, you know, every time, every time that I shot something, it's like, Carl, why do you only shoot – two balls and then why don't you hold this guy in and then and then maybe wrap and then do i was like all right so my job is to get down the field right so all right if i can do that job with only shooting a couple accurate paintballs and i either hit the guy or i put him in and i can move then what does it matter like yeah. maybe and then it's, it's like it's really just i'm just getting down the field and getting closer to everybody else and uh, i mean sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but more often than not i'm i usually I've told this to Bruno a lot. I was like, I was like, how many times have I told you I'll get to this spot and I get there? He goes, more times than not. I was like, okay. So like what I'm doing is obviously working. I'm just, I'm not very good if they put me in a spot where they're like, we need you to go here and close this lane down. I'm like, dude, that's not me, man. Like I, I, I'm all about being for the team, but you should probably put somebody there who's just going to love to shoot their gun. Like I love to shoot my gun. That's the thing. I love to shoot my gun. They are so smooth. They're so buttery. What's that? Tiger Stripe LV1, though. That's fucking sick. That's the one you like to shoot, right? Yeah, I I love it, dude. (laughs) And um, just LV1s in general have been so – they've been just immaculate. And I love to shoot them. And why I love to shoot them is because they're so accurate. And then everybody's like, oh, well, they have this drop shot. And I'm like, dude – that's it's not no. there's no drop shot it's called gravity and they physics. all go the same way it's all the same trajectory it's physics someone <laughs> and this is like the angel versus autococker debate and then mm-hmm. people are like it's flatter than the the intimidator i'm like are you guys literally retarded 300 feet per second 300 feet per second mm-hmm. right. there's gravity otherwise there's visual <laughs> I have seen no study come out that says, well, hey, look at this. Watch watch this shoot and watch it drop. I, I, and I remember I, I like I was at I was at a practice and I had some guy with a with a geo or something like that. I was like, shot it. Like, okay. What are you shooting? Okay. Alright, I'm shooting this. I shoot. Like I dropped the exact same spot that you did. Now let's crank them up or turn them down, and I guarantee you that's probably going to shoot the ex- you know drop the exact same spot. And I'm like, there, there's nothing. It's it shoots smoother. It's so much better. It's more accurate. I love getting close with it. It's quiet. I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't get enough respect. I feel. They're they're a great gun. I mean, I never, I never really got into them, really. Like, I mean, I've shot them, mm-hmm. and the ones that I tuned were like, were lovely. They were great guns. Yeah. Um, when I was shooting Eclipse, it was always the 3.5 or the um, uh, the CS platform. Yeah, the, which are great too. Those are those the, are great the, too. 
The Geo 2, though, I found shot like a, it was just too snappy. Too poppy. But not, yeah, it wasn't refined. Yeah. Compared to the Matrix at the time or the Lux, but, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but it's like, it. to me, I think people fell in love with the fact of not having any moving parts on the outside. I think that was one of the biggest sells, I think, for that whole platform and why it kind of just grew and grew and people started kind of putting more money and more, uh, you know, R&D into, into that side. Um, it made sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it made sense. They were selling. It makes money. But what always sells isn't always what's the best, I feel. And I feel like the LV1 platform uh, has been, hands down for me, have been the best shooting markers. But that's, I've also only shot Planet and an LV1. <laughs> shameless plug. So maybe uh, I'm a little jaded. I don't know. Uh, you know, like, the LV1 was a nice gun, but, I mean, I shot everything from Ego 7. I mean, for, like, that's going to be relevant to people that are listening to this. The Ego 7 onward. I mean, I can say I, could, I grew up shooting angels and shit, but mm-hmm. people wouldn't know for Right. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, it's hard to say what the best is. And, like, that's what I tell everyone now. Like, what's the best gun out there? And usually I say, like, I have to do this. And I look at the jersey and see what sponsors are on it. And that's the best gun at the time. <laughs> Mercenary. Yeah. But, um,. It's like it's like buying a supercar is what I tell them. It's mm-hmm. like you can buy a Lamborghini, you can buy a Ferrari, you can buy an Aston Martin. They're all going to be fucking fat. Yeah, they're all cars. It just really depends on what what you're looking for. I mean, the Lux for me, the Lux Ice, that gun's nasty as hell, smooth as hell. I mean, great. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I found funny too was everyone was hating on the Diem too. I loved that gun. It was tiny, light, efficient. I mean, it was smooth. And my CS1 and my CSR, I love that gun too. Like, it really, like, at that point, and it's funny because you talk about what's better these days, mm-hmm. and I just, like, face palm. I mean, you guys are all retarded. Like, the arm <laughs> over. The yeah. arm's raised. Mm-hmm. Semi was a thing, and I was like, I can cycle my gun at 36 balls a second. You know, guys were shooting intimidators with debounce one. It was like, you know. Right. Um, now, like, we've leveled the playing field. You can't shoot faster than 10.3. 10. 3. You can't shoot faster than what is called 10.5. You mm-hmm. can't shoot faster than that. So really what it comes down to is ergonomics, feel of the shot, and then like price range stupid little features that you like for conveniences Mm -hmm. quite frankly a lot of those convenience features don't really matter when you're playing i don't really care that my my grips are toolless or that my eye covers are magnetic or that i don't have eye covers it's kind of a non-feature get obsessed over these little things that really aren't that relevant Mm mm-hmm when companies are like, hey, you get a 20% better uh, efficiency increase and, you know, you, uh, you're not going to need to lube this bolt for a month. I'm like, stop. And they're like, it's 20% smoother than the last gun. I'm like, yo. Mm-hmm. But when they're like, 
you know, it's got toolless grips and you don't need this to take off the frame. I don't really give a shit. I'm not taking my frame off during the middle of the point. Yeah. Like, you know, but we've just got to that. It's kind of funny. It's like uh, cars and technology. It's synonymous cars and technology, basically. Right. Is we test over all these little dumb details that really no one cares that you're never really going to use. Mm-hmm. I don't really care that my iPhone has a 8 megapixel camera and this, that, and the other, and this chip in it, and this many. Yeah. No, it, my phone works. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> Happy. Yeah. Well, I'm like the PayPal nerd who, um, who likes to take his shit apart. And like clean it and make sure, but and and what comes you know what comes in handy, um, and these things that that have kind of come into play as the years gone on is like the the wireless body to body to frame uh, connectivity. That's- the um, you know when you don't have to take the eye covers off, uh, or or even having a stored set of, I believe it's in the CS2 is a stored set of extra detents. Yeah. Right. CS1 had that. Like or yeah 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 so it's like some of these little things come in handy but but it's all these different people who have different tastes and different flavors and things that you're trying to trying to kind of hone in on on this one it's, product. It's kind of funny that you talk about this, and I mean I I've told so many people this, and being a fellow paintball nerd, I mean it's funny to explain this, but. Looking at things from a complete design standpoint, when I was a regular consumer, I didn't really think about these things. Right. Like, you didn't really look at, like, oh, the machining on this is absolutely god-awful. Mm-hmm. Looks like they made it with a chisel. Or, um, like, design features in terms of, like, structural or how they mount things. Like, I, uh, I don't know if it's over here, but I have a 2K2 shock tech intimidator that I'm restoring. <laughs> Loved those guns. Those were nasty, nasty guns. And I'm pulling this thing apart when I got it. And I remember looking at it. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, we actually accepted this as good design. Like, <laughs> our hoses and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we pull on it? They're like, oh, you just put it in there. I'm like, it just fucking rattles around. They're like, yeah. <laughs> what? Like, you do what? It just kind of hangs in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a horrible idea. Yeah. But it's kind of cool. Like, you look at stuff like they've evolved to in, like, um, Jack Wood did with the CS2. I watched a video of him trying to smash the sword. And I was like, good on you. Yeah. These are, these are good features. And just the way the designs evolved, or you look at things like Lux did with the, uh, the, the coolest frame removal. Mm-hmm. Cool. I mean... A bunch of like design and structural things that are neat, like they're the battery ejection thing out of it. And the guy's got the wireless, charger. yeah, whole bunch of cool design ideas. But really, for meat and potatoes, it doesn't really matter, right? You know, like I yeah. mean, at the heart of it, those are not the features that sell me on those guns. You know, yeah, like I'm not gonna go out and buy an M3 Plus because I'm like, ooh, got wireless charging. Yeah, no, I'm. <laughs> I like how it shoots and efficiency. Mm-hmm. You know, an, an idea talking about that because I'm pretty ignorant as far as it, uh, the die markers and and that whole that whole kind of area. Um, but a friend of mine, uh, Mark Schulte, he's been on the podcast before. 
big tall guy, six nine, can't miss him. Imperial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so him and I were talking. We, I was at his house and we were kind of talking, and and he had a a die marker, and he had the whole wireless charging pad and everything like that, right? That was, if I remember right, that was just a pad that they plugged in. Was it was it inside the case that you put the marker into? Or was it a pad that you took out and placed the marker on? I don't have it here, but it's like an actual pad that you connect to um, the charger, right? It connects mm-hmm. via mic. Yeah. And then take the gun and just put it on the pad. So idea that Mark and I had and we were talking about was why not put the pad on the inside of the case and put a battery on the inside of the case that way, if you ever forget to charge your marker, you the could case you can just the case has a battery inside of it, and and there you go. Shut up, shut up push paintball. Anyone who's thinking about this right Bagoosh. now, <laughs> boom! There we go. There you go. It's and I think I honestly think that that's it's going to come to a point where um, eventually somebody's going to do that, right? They're gonna they're gonna have a place for that, and um, dreaded this because. I'll be copyright this tonight, just FYI. Yeah, this is all, this is all, I have everything, I have pictures, I have sketches, I have, I have everything down. But, but I'm really, I'm really surprised that Die has not done that yet with, with their whole pad and everything like that. Like, the neat thing about them is like, I, I really feel like in terms of technology, they really lead the, in, like, at least in electronics, they definitely lead the market. It's kind of funny that they were, the um they were behind the times for so long up until like the dm15 which it's funny because like i mean i didn't consider them behind the times again being a performance guy i was a die sponsor player for a while up here in canada mm-hmm. um but it never really bothered me because i could my gun shot 15 balls a second no problem i really didn't care if it had a screen or not i turned it on went bang and i shot yeah that's all yep um but there's a lot of people that were hating on them, like, oh, this gun has a screen, this gun has this. I'm like, are you guys stupid? Like, it doesn't really care. Mm-hmm. Like, think about it. You bought, like, there's these things, uh, I think there's a crack Mercedes AMG, I forget which class it is, but it doesn't have door handles. It has wires. It doesn't have a stereo. It's meant to go really, really, really fast and be really, really, really light. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of those guns. Oh, they're they've kind of come up from the rear and taken over in terms of electronics with their screens, the Bluetooth connectivity, um, all sorts of stuff like that. They're really starting to lead the market in electronics. I feel. Yeah. Pretty. It's pretty cool. Some of the stuff they've done and or can do or have the potential to do. Like they, they almost have a complete linkage. Really. Like if you were, if there was a way for them to link the R2 to that. Um, the M- the the MOS system in the frame, mm-hmm. you probably tell you roughly how many balls you have left in your loader. Now the only other thing would be to get a transducer into like the tank regulator for it to communicate with your reg, and then I mean, it's crazy. Right. Not that that ever would matter, but you know. remember that Angel Air used to have that, didn't it? Yo, I got one of those like a Game <laughs> Boy. Shit, like I always, th- I always thought that Angel was so sweet. And I oh, always yeah. wanted an angel and everything, and I just never, I just never. Well, I got my hands on one. It was a black, it was a black uh, Iron Man angel. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. It was. It was 
but I. What'd you do with it? Who'd you sell it to? Do you have his I name? Can't, I, dude, I can't even remember. Come on, no. go back and peek. I know I bought up. it. I know I bought it from uh, this kid named Danny D. From the, Danny D. And I don't remember what I did with it. I don't think I liked Bro, it enough. I have. So there was a red, uh, a red Iron Man angel. There was a blue Iron Man angel. A cobalt Iron Man angel. A silver to orange Iron Man angel. A black Iron Man angel and a silver Iron Man angel. I have four of them. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why though? Because. Easy there, paintball nerd. I never. Don't, okay, okay, that's one thing. That okay, that's one thing. I never, I never, ever understood about people like collecting markers because all they're gonna do is become irrelevant, and you're not gonna be able to shoot them, and all you're gonna be able to do is stare at them. And then when it comes time where you're like, oh, okay, what do I? All right, what do I do now? I have all these markers that don't work anymore. What am, and do I? What do I do? Do I try and sell them, or do I try and? look at them more I, like i just never understood i guess that side like a jersey i can understand and admire and be like okay that person uh you know whatever this I, I i i can enjoy that and i can maybe hand those down or whatever but even those like sometimes it's like all right i have some jerseys of even my own like why do why do i keep those it's like they're eventually not gonna really give a shit you know what it was it was one of those things like you remember what it was like being a kid and mm-hmm. I didn't have a bad childhood, but my parents weren't like ridiculously rich. So it was funny when I started playing paintball, they were like, okay, cool. Like, well, how are you going to afford it? And I was like, yeah. No, I hear you. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I got to pay for this. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember going on Action Village. Remember that website? Action Village? Dude, Action Village was the shit. Saving JPEGs to floppy disks and shit. Mm-hmm. I was like, pictures on the oh um i remember like basically drooling and lusting over angels and guns that i couldn't afford like auto cockers and stuff it's funny like i was telling buddy um when the pro paintball website you could kind of go on and see what they had in stock look at auto cockers that i clearly could never afford mm-hmm. oh yeah i definitely need a free flow millennium it's like fourteen hundred dollars and with all these yeah i totally need yeah, I couldn't afford it, but it was kind of funny. Like as the years went on and stuff, and I would find guns that I wanted as a kid. I just buy them for nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And I don't even care. Like I'll bust out my angels every once in a while and shoot them. Yeah, and I'll play like rack around here and stuff with them, and I'll pull them out, and people are like, "What? What are those?" Like I have an Ironman LCD that was uh, Davy Williamson's. And it's got the Warp Sports LA Ace. So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you glued eyes on the side of your shit before. Like, we didn't have- Oh, yeah. They're all epoxy. Don't- yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, people are like, what's what's the goop on there? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, all right. Like, you know? So, it was just one of those things that, like, it's just nostalgia. The same reason mm-hmm. that I have autocockers. Like, I can't shoot an autococker <laughs> well at all. Join the club, no. bro. Dude, like, like I have to I have to learn though. Bro, you have to learn. I'm friends with Buddy Bauer. <laughs> I'm friends with Buddy Bauer forever and we're, you know he's got free flow back and he's like, "Dude, this gun is sick. Try it." And I'm like, "No." He's like, "Just shoot it." And I'm like, "No." He's like, Come on. <laughs> and he'll like it and then he'll give it to me and I'm like, <laughs> 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 "Yeah, 
exactly the same. And he literally just give that back to me. What ruin things? I'm like, I didn't ruin things. Old Drake can't shoot one. Yeah. Yeah, the same thing, man. Same thing. But I think I got to a I I got to a point where, like even now, I've I ended up selling all of my um my signature series markers because there are yeah. a lot of people like, well, you're not gonna keep those. I was like, honestly, man, like I've gotten I've gotten my use out of those, and I've gotten my pleasure out of all of those. And if I can if I can sell it to some somebody for some money, obviously that helps as a paintball player. Um, mm-hmm. we all know that. Um, but if somebody can get enjoyment out of it. Like that's that's gonna be way more enjoyment than than I have now for it, and I think I that I think I enjoy kind of passing that on, um, and help like like I just sold a, a gun to a kid. It was pretty cool because this guy messaged me about about my uh, my LV one that I used this past year, and he actually bought it for a friend of his, and which was cool. And then the friend that I got it from, or the the friend that was uh that it was sold to or given to contacted me. It was like, this is so awesome. I can't wait to shoot this thing. Oh, and then he texted me back. He's like, it shoots so good. This I was like, that makes me happy because it's like, I got what I could out of that. Like right now I have an EMEC that I cannot wait. I can't like, it makes me happy to shoot that thing and shoot people with it. It's I so heard- much fun, dude. And, and then I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be shooting an auto. I'm going to be taught how to shoot an autococker from Danny Love. Good luck. Danny so. Love can, you know what? <laughs> it's funny. We're at the 10 man in Chicago and I introduced myself to Danny. I was talking cause I've done some business with him. Like mm-hmm. it was fun. But, uh, a name to a face. And I was like, man, the gunfighter frame is almost a solution for shitty people like me that can't shoot. Autococker. He said it's going to make a difference. And I was like, okay, man. All right. <laughs> All right. It's not the fail safe. But the funny thing is, he's like, yeah, I, you know, designed that like 15 minutes sitting on my couch. I was like, God damn, man. <laughs> yeah. But um, he's like, here, shoot it. Oh, same thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're with like another one of the autococker greats. And I was like, I probably can't shoot it. Like, you know, I'm not. <laughs> he's like, no, try. And I'm like, <laughs> i'm like that's good but i can still break it (laughs) i think you know what i think our problem is i think we try i think we try and do too much with it it's a rhythm you know well and everybody's like well i can shoot an autococker so fast it's like okay well if 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 all i can do is shoot an autococker and say that i can shoot an autococker let's say even five balls a second then i can shoot an autococker so now you're not going to rely on me on shooting a bunch of paintballs at somebody with an autococker, just know that I'm going to try and shoot these guys with only a couple balls. Cause that's what I'm going to get out of my marker without, you know, having to grab a damn swab and, you know, out the end of the barrel. Those I shot the, the CVO, the shocker CVO when I mm-hmm. played uh, ICC with uh, the Philly guys. And those guns are dope too. Yeah. Like I got one of those. I'm super pumped to shoot it. Like they're just, you know, yeah. buddy's always like, Oh, let's go. And I want to play Mac. And I'm like, yeah, I can't really shoot a free flow because like I can't shoot guns, <laughs> idiot. But you know, I'm learning. <laughs> I'm I'm excited though to shoot the uh, the gunfighter frame and everything. I'm I I truly am. Like I if it's something that's gonna help me out, uh, then it does. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. 
So sure. let's uh, let's kind of talk about what you do in the paintball world besides playing playing paintball games. Um, it only took us, you know, an hour to get into it before we started talking about. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So uh, so how did you how did you get to the point in your uh, in your life and paintball life to where you're like, well, it seems like we need some more uh, anodizing. I'm gonna give it a try. All right. So the completely unadulterated story and unrefined story as it goes. Um, I met Chris Williamson from Die Precision um, in Virginia Beach at the second NXL. And we just got talking and stuff. And it was funny because, like, you know, I was shooting a DM15 in Canada. I was shooting a GSL over in the States. So it was kind of funny when you talk about, like, oh, what's the best gun? And I'm like, Yeah. Like, what's best? This is Jam 15, depending on where. Right. But um, it was really, really funny because he asked me, like, what I thought about the company, the brand and stuff. And I basically told him everything I thought was wrong with their line, their vision. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I had no idea who he was. And I was like, so, like, what do you, what do you, who do you, who, who, what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm the GM. I was like, well, fuck me. Like, Great. I just, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and he's like, no. I, I appreciate that because not everyone tells you the truth. They just say what you want to hear. Exactly. When they released the M2, pretty much everything I said I wanted in Die and then some, uh, I was excited to get one. And I was like, you know me. I'm like, so like, does it come in red? And they're like, no. I was like, okay, cool. But can I get a red one? And they're like, no. I was like, okay, so like, why don't you do a sample not tell anyone i'll take the red one we just call it a day (laughs) no i was like really and they're like yeah okay whatever so they gave me a black gun and i was like oh like appreciate it sweet gunshot great shoots awesome out of the box the first gun i ever actually shot out of the box at a tournament because you know that's just bad omens you don't do that Mm -hmm. i picked that gun up i shot at 295 295 294 296 i was like all right, let's do it. So um, we got beat out of the tournament. Uh, I was World Cup. I was playing with Cleveland Imperial. We took fourth that event, and we started drinking at the dye tent. There's a bottle, and after half a bottle of whiskey, they thought me. They asked me like, "Hey, what do you, uh, what do you think of the line?" I was like, "Everything's sweet, other than the fact you fucked me with a black gun." <laughs> So they're like, well, yeah, I'm like, just whatever. I'll just do it myself. They're like, you're going to anodize your own gun. I was like, fuck yeah. Can't be that hard. Mm-hmm. So the next day, you know, everyone's like laughing about it. And like, remember what you said? I was like, I remember everything <laughs> as to what point you were talking about. Because mm-hmm. like, I talked shit. Like where you said you were going to anodize your own gun. I was like, yeah, of course. Fucking can't be that hard. Like chemicals and some electricities and shit and then boom you're done I'll make it work yeah right so uh i come back to canada and i'm like well i talked enough shit that like i gotta make it mm-hmm. no way i can't not deliver on this because i've just talked so much shit i'm accountable so i start researching and stuff and uh about two and a half three months later like you know i mean giving myself chemical burns uh, from caustic soda, like sodium hydroxide or lye, 
as you guys know. Remember from uh, Fight Club? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that stuff. Um, I created mustard gas in my dad's garage without planting it, which isn't a good thing. No. Uh, another time I created chlorine gas, which, again, was not a good thing. Um, electrocuted myself more times than I could count. <laughs> Literally. Like... That's always a good one for me. Just like me dealing with electricity too in my in my job is just it's fun. Like it it's not a funny thing. It's obviously dangerous. But seeing <laughs> someone seeing somebody get like just buzzed by one ten is <laughs> like oh shit! Don't touch that. It's that's yeah. Yo, I've been zapped live. a couple times. That one. <laughs> that, that's that. Yeah, don't touch that. That was live. It's like the uh, <laughs> I I got a scar on my bicep here. Um, because I was working with a heat gun um, in my shop, and mm-hmm. my friend uh, Taylor Henderson, um, who also works with me, and <laughs> he was like laughing because like I had to like move something, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Right? And I go to like press it like a, a, a piece of vinyl down, and this heat gun just, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh fuck!" He goes. Yo, that looks like it burns. He goes, "Oh, the skin just melted right off," and I. And he's sitting there laughing at me, laughing. I was like, "Can you get me the bottle of water?" He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." But yeah. So, anyways, I created. I electrocuted myself a bunch of times, and so finally, I make it work, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I take a picture of like my gun. Flipping them off, then it took like you actually did it. I was like, "Fuck yeah, I did it!" Like, and that hurt. Yeah, it was fucking hard. And um, it's funny when like you talk about like entrepreneur entrepreneurial journeys and stuff like that. For the most part, people will talk talk about like, where you have the idea. They think, everyone thinks that the scale goes like this. The progression goes like this. So. It's a little bit harder, but then it keeps going up and up and up. It's more like this. It goes, it works, and then you think it's good. And then you fucking bump And then you're down. And it's like, what the fuck? And then it's like you have to struggle to get back up and claw yourself back up to that point. Yeah. Start making progress again. And it's funny because, again, like, um, just the, the community and the people that we have in the sport are really essentially why the company happened. I did this, and after that, I started talking with Monville, who's been a buddy of mine for years. Like, he played up here in Canada. And he's like, bro, it's like, you gave me a teal shocker. I'm not that anything's wrong with being gay. I, I just lame. I'm not a huge fan of the teal color, let's just say. <laughs> Had to say that. Yeah. I'm like, that's a lame color, bro. And he's like, I know. He's like, it's all they had. I'm like, oh, man. He's like, can you can you anodize it? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. So I anodized his gun, and he brought it over to Paris when he was playing with um, Five Star as well. And a bunch of these Parisians saw it, and they're like, hey, can you anodize guns for us? And he actually texted me when I was General Motors. It was 4 in the morning here. It was on night shift. And he's like, "Hey, can you um, can you anodize guns?" Like, yeah, sure. 
Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, they want to know the name of your company. And it's funny, just kind of how things work out. About two years prior to that, one of my best friends died of a heart attack. Right? And right before he passed, he was big on switching from the classic, like the old school bodybuilding style, lift as much as you could, be as big as you could, lift heavier than everyone else, to more like classic style, like Frank Zane and stuff like that, which was based on symmetry. Um, like beauty and almost mm-hmm. and that forefront to what they have of classic bodybuilding now so he's huge into that and we all started training like and in his eulogy I wrote may you forever be aesthetic and he's asking me for and I'm looking around my office I'm not going to call it like you know, a filing cabinet or printer I see my lunch bag there. I see Eric's funeral card. You know, and just right there. My eyes are just They go beauty. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, aesthetic. And that was it. <laughs> and I would probably say four or five months after that, like I just kept kind of doing my thing and just trying new shit and I mean pretty sweet like I guess all of my competition um, was helping me out to help me troubleshoot and that's the one thing that I'm really thankful for is that I got guys like Stephen Acosta Customs uh, Danilo at Stainworks um, Rob at Blizzard Sean at Precision um, Ryan Hall and Bryce at ARC, uh, who else? Mario at FX Anodizing, all those guys. Oh, and, and of course, Ben Sides at Skin Deep. He just hates when I reference him because he like, <laughs> put a tinfoil hat on and just hide from the world. But I love to do it just because it pisses him off. But all those guys were always willing to help me and kind of guide me through. And the best part was, was they never really said, like, okay, cool, like, this is what you're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. This is. They guided me along the path to figure it out. Right. They made me really understand why I was doing things and why things were happening so I could figure them out for myself, which then gave me a basis of knowledge for everything else. So, yeah, basically probably four or five months later, after I did that uh, that shocker for Sam, uh, Anthony from Boston Paintball got a hold of me and was like, yo, like, would you ever consider doing work for us and I was like yeah okay it was actually New Year's New Year's Eve he called me hmm. I remember standing outside uh, my parents garage drinking whiskey talking to this guy I'm like did, did the guy from Boston Paintball seriously just call you and like want to work with you I'm like these guys are like icons and yeah I just kept kind of kept at it and just kept grinding and it's funny like I was working I was working at General Motors at the time, and then I got uh, hired on in a beauty company uh, as a sales director for them, which was nice because I was able to work uh, nine to five, five, six days a week, well, usually five days a week, but sometimes I had travel and stuff, shows and different things like that. And it allowed me really to kind of focus my, my nights 
whatever I was doing. And I just kind of kept, kept working at it and just kept going and kept going and kept going. And then probably about a year and a half, it got to the point where uh, I had an argument kind of with my boss at work. We didn't see eye to eye on something. I mean, it, was, it is what it is. And I came home and Frankie Metropolis, uh, one of the guys from Buck Dancer All-Stars, uh, I, I met him by anodizing his gun. He's actually staying in my house. He's like, I'm coming to Canada. I'm like, yeah, just you can crash with me, man, whatever. So he went to University of Miami, I believe, for business and stuff. And we started talking. And he's like, dude, and I was, I was, I was annoyed, right? And I was like, man, like, this pissed me off. This pissed me off. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Tyler, he's like, it's not rocket science. He's like, what did you make last weekend? I was like, I don't know, like X amount. He's like, and what do you make, you know, working five days there? I'm like, X amount. Like, okay. What you made last weekend is twice what you made during the week. That's in two days. Mm-hmm. He's like, imagine you start focusing your efforts on that. And I was like, yo, you smart. <laughs> And at that point, I started stress testing my business and I stopped paying all my bills with uh, like my salary from my day job and just started paying them with money I had from uh, from working with anodizing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did that for about four or five months and then it, it became evident where it's like, okay, you know, time to burn the boats. Because it's funny, like... When you have a safety net to fall back into, you never really, really push. Right. It's funny because I talk to a ton of people and they're like, oh, well, you're on your, it's your own boss. It's amazing. Like, you know, I see you went to England, you went to Chicago, you get to go do this. Like, you're going to go to California. Like, your life's awesome. I was like, this is what your perception of life is. And this is what I've told so many people is like, you know, you work a day job for someone or like a regular career, you get sick, you can call in and take a sick day and that's that. I take a day off, that's it. Like there's, there's no, there's, I talk to people about this all the time and it's hilarious because people think it's so easy. Like, oh, it's so easy being a business owner. Mm-hmm. Like open the door and like all that money, just like people are like pouring it in. Like <laughs> you make money because you do good work. So you must just like, you know, like throw stacks of it at strippers, which maybe, but, uh, which are also ex-girlfriends sometimes. We're like, whatever. Um, and I, I live <laughs> fast. Um, but yeah, so easy being a bit white. It's quite the opposite, but burning the boats really puts you in that, that mentality where you just have to make it work. Mm-hmm. And it, using the sort of things and solutions you come up with when you have to. It's like, you know, someone wants to solve a problem and they, they don't really have to. They're not going to put much effort into it. Right. But when it's like, shit, okay, I got to make a grand in four days. How do you do this? Yeah. You f- and it happens, you know. I'm not I'm not struggling by any means and this is not saying I'm poor, but the visions I have for things in company in the company as it's going, you know, it, it requires more than what I'm doing right now. 
We'll work. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's it's cool too because you know you, uh, I've kind of seen at least from my little blip of seeing inside your company and everything. It's it's I've seen the progression grow and the and your uh, your busyness oh, yeah. grow. And it's 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 it was really cool to see you know kind of that. Uh, it was cool when people were asking me, "Hey, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that done?" And I was like, I could you know direct them back, and then I could see you start making all these other markers. I'm like, that's, that's awesome. I, I, I love seeing some, you know, shit like that. Your gun started a trend. Your gun, what I swear to God. And I've told everyone too, like, they're like, Oh, I want the tiger stripe. I want the tiger stripe. And like, you know, this is like, the reason this is around is because of Carl. Like this is <laughs> Carl's design. Like this is how this all started. As I'm just shit talking with him. And I told everyone funny. I'm like, the funny thing is, is I did the opposite of what he originally wanted we didn't realize it till it was done and i was like shit yeah but i mean again that's another thing that you know the the business has evolved into now i have like service order forms where i'm like write your shit down <laughs> put it here yeah because i've even had it before people are like oh just do my accents and accent to me might be different as accents to you so now it's like write it down right oh exactly but, that gun was awesome. I remember doing that the first time, and I was like, "Man, this looks really, really cool." Mm-hmm. And then after that, it just no one had really done anything like that, and it just really kind of opened up a ton of different doors. It was really cool too. Was like, you know, I'd have the proud dad moments where I'd see that gun and like, you know, an Eclipse banner, and it was like, <laughs> it's me right in the feels. Yeah, you know. It's been really, really interesting, man. Yeah, it's cool, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see, uh, I'm glad to see other markers take on kind of that, uh, that anodizing and that look, and and kind of see, you know, your, uh, your skills get better and better and better and better. And that's the one thing too. Like, um, it's crazy. Probably regarded as one of like the best in the business has to be Steven at Costa. The guy literally, like, he does stuff, and I'm like, how? Like, what? Blows my mind. And the one thing, like, that I really notice is, I talk to Steven nearly almost every day. Um, bounce ideas off each other and different things and like that. But it's funny because you never fully to just being like, okay, that's the way it's done. There's all these little refinements, and I, you know, I'll notice something like, hey, you notice this? Like, this will do this sometimes, or you ever tried watching using this, or doing this, or have you ever seen this? And we're constantly just like think tanking and coming up with different stuff. And pretty much all the anodizers, we do all the same thing. It's mm-hmm. hilarious. But like, I'm gonna go to your competition. I was like, beautiful. They're all my buddy. I really don't care. Yeah, <laughs> pissing me off. Yeah. But, um, going back to like, I was talking to PK, who's uh, Peter Callet from PK Select. He did like the old school adrenalines and stuff like that. The Thunderstruck design, a lot of like the old old school like iconic patterns. And I talked to him on the phone for like a couple hours, um, and that was the one thing he said. He's like, "You just have to accept that the process is never static." constantly dynamic because there's so many variables that come into anodizing mm-hmm. and that's 
algorithm that's very hard to learn is like you think that, like, okay, I just need to monitor these criterias. And then you realize there's actually this many criterias, which is actually this many criterias. <laughs> but if any of these criterias are affected, it creates the sub-criterias. Mm-hmm. You're like, whoa. Yeah. So there's a lot to understand, a lot to manage. But as you start understanding things, you're able to really play around with the plot process and have fun with it. And I mean, fun is a subjective word, obviously. People are like, oh, have fun with my gun. I'm like, no, like, no, that's not fun. Like, yeah, there is some stuff that I love doing. Other stuff uh, I love to hate. Like, I hate doing it. But the end result is totally worth it. The tiger stripe is, it's annoying. It's not my favorite to do. <laughs> it seemed time consuming. It is. There's a lot of, like, work with tweezers and heat and stuff. Like, uh, doing ryan moorhead's uh freedom gun that was pretty sick that was horrible just (laughs) literally dreadful that and the zebra twister both sucked Mm -hmm. did a leopard print one and like a lot of it was just wasn't because i wanted to do it It was just like a rite of passage right because you know you you've known me for a while and when someone says like i can't do something i'm like oh really okay yeah cool fuck you i'll do it anyway (laughs) yeah like Oh, you, you know, they can't do this. I'm like, no, you can. You just, I'll, the people that told you were lazy and didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I would just do stuff and be like, oh, can you do my gun like that? I'd be like, no. I just wanted to do it to prove a point that I could and fuck that. We're retiring. It yep. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been really cool. Like, and constantly I'm coming up with different stuff, different ideas. What's been really cool is being able to work with manufacturing partners like, like Die. Uh, like DLX, Smart Parts, Freeflow, um, obviously. But what was really cool was like, the full circle moment when I was talking to Billy Wing on the phone, and we did those Die Lab guns that you saw. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Hey, can you put your logo on them?" And I'm like, "My my logo on your stuff? <laughs> yeah, I guess." And, you know, then it just kind of reminded me, like... Did you a make couple... a red one? Carl. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, when's this getting air like, tomorrow? Uh, it'll probably be sometime over the weekend. Fuck it. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Did I make a red one, he says. <laughs> Ooh, that's slick. Yeah. That's really sweet. So this is modeled actually after um, my dad was like a total piston head mm-hmm. car. And it was funny because like uh, when Billy was like, Billy and the guys that died, Billy and Chris were both like, okay, here's 10 guns, just do your thing. And I was like, like what do you what do you want? They're like, just do your thing, whatever you want. And I'm like, ah, uh, I mean, it's a lot of, Oh yeah. You know, like you're coming up with everything and I'm like, shit, like what if they don't like what I like? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, like everything we've seen, we really like. And I'm like, shit, like, you know, I'm afraid that the one time I do it, they don't like it. And I'm like, okay. Yep. And then I started kind of like looking at what the industry was offering and kind of the same thing that people have been doing. And it, it was always like, um, 
you know, like splashes, like fades, acid washes. And it's been the same thing recycled for years and years and years. Like, right. Like, open a smart parts catalog from 1996 and you open up the Planet Eclipse catalog from like this year, a lot of the patterns are the same. Same thing with smart parts and DLX and stuff. Like a lot of the designs became recycled. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to that the industry had seen before. So I drew a lot of inspiration from like my dad's like car days and stuff because he was big into muscle cars. And I always loved like the bold stripes that they had on a lot of those classic, yeah, classic cars. So I was like, you know what, like. Why do we do something like that? So I started looking at pictures like Ferraris, Lamborghinis, supercars that were simple, understated, but badass. And that's the one thing that was neat with the DSR is they gave me the option, like, do you want to work on the M3 Plus? Do you want to work on the DSR? I'm like, you know, I like, I really like the way the DSR shoots. And that gun speaks to me because it's, it's no frill. It shoots good. No screens, no Bluetooth, just it's meant to be So... I mean, and that's what I even told Billy. It reminds me of like a track car. Like it doesn't have the 18, you know, I, I'm going to date myself and say 18 danger in the back, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have the, the, the pop-up screens and stuff. It's just meant to go fast. Right. And that's kind of what we did with these guns. And yeah, that was it. And then they said, Hey, we really like the tattooing stuff. You, you know, you do. I'm like, fuck tattooing. Let's do dual finish. Yeah. Which I regretted. <laughs> Dude, I well, I was looking at that one. That one's got the it's the gloss red and then the matte. Yeah. You want a little uh, know how on how to do it kind of thing? Explain it for the people. Do you do the gloss first and then the matte second? So what happens here? The gun's actually anodized twice. Okay. Cool. You polish the entire gun. Um, you anodize it red, right? Or you'll dye it red. And then you seal the gun, right? So now it's hardened, it's ready to go. Mm-hmm. You mask the gun with a vinyl decal, okay? Uh, then you start saying hopes and prayers to the antidote. Um, you offer them sacrifices, the blood of many virgins, tears of virgins, whatever you can. And once it's sealed and you've got the vinyl on there and you've pressed it down and hopefully you get no voids mm-hmm. in any of you actually end up stripping the gun again, blasting the gun, anodizing the gun a second time, and then you're going to dye it black and then seal it. So, yeah. That sounds like painstaking. What the worst part is, is you don't know um, if there's any issues until you peel off the vinyl right after seal. So you think everything's good. And that's what happened to me a couple of times where I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. And then I pull the piece off. I'm like, well, I'm fucked. Here we go. There's just <laughs> half of my life I'll never get back. Yeah. So, Well, you know, the end result was really cool because no one had seen anything like it. And mm-hmm. we just came with compliments from people being like, I never would have thought anything like that. Yeah. Which was. Yeah, it, it's really cool. And I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're doing it, man. And, um, you know, on. Uh, on that note, I think uh, I think we had a pretty good conversation. Always, always, we have whiskey, <laughs> beer boards, and then like you know me getting drunk and building a company out of nowhere. I don't know it, it happened. That's how that's how it happens. That's how it works. Well, yeah. hey man, where can uh, where can people find you? Where can people find uh, your company and and your work? 
So uh, the website is www.aestheticmetalfinishing.com. Um, ironically, that if you were to shorten that would be aesthetic MF, which could have you know other meanings behind it. So when I did the company, I was like, this is fucking hilarious. Let me do this. Um, uh, you can find us at, uh, at aesthetic underscore anodizing on Instagram or aesthetic anodizing on Facebook, or you can always send us an email at info at aestheticmetalfinishing.com. Mm-hmm. What's cool too is we do like a lot of like theme or high end pieces and stuff like that, but we also do simple, simple stuff. Like we do, we, we pretty much can hit any price point, and that's the one thing that we try to do is not design from what we think, and like we want to spend a thousand dollars. We can talk to a lot of people, and I actually reply to folks that don't do that. That's a waste of your money. That's stupid. Don't do that. You're spending too much. Don't do this. As we just want people to have cool shit at a decent price point. I mean, obviously, if we're going to bust their ass into it, we want to get it. Mm-hmm. That goes without saying, but we try to hit every single price point we can. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy. Like we do tons of charity things and like I get, we, we give away to more things than we even know what they are <laughs> just because, yeah. But you know what it is? It's, you get to the point where it's like, I don't know. This sport has given me so much. Like, look, I was able to build a business me and my friends to work at yeah out of nowhere and you know i see all this stuff happening like you know i'm doing something for someone the, the guy's um lv1 got stolen out of his his car and it was like uh the the flag one yeah i was when he posted like oh what am i gonna do and i'm like dude just hit me up we'll take care of you you yeah. know like we, we give away stuff for charities. It's just nice to be able to give back. Or like when, you know, with with Thomas Taylor, when all the stuff happened out there, the first thing I did was like, how can I help? Like, what can we do to help you? Not That's like, awesome. and how can we leverage the company? It was just like, how can the company provide an outlet to be able to help a cause? Just because, yeah. like I said, given us so much over the years that we want to give back. That's great, man, and it, great. I, I'm I'm so stoked to be able to support you know a company like that, and uh, yeah. I suggest everybody do the same. Hell yeah, yeah. It, we're we're without like I mean I'm not we're not without our faults like, we've had our issues growing and stuff like that but it's one of those things that we just we just keep at it you know we're yeah. just trying to do it so, for sure, man. Been- well, stick around. I'm gonna talk to you after this uh, for a quick yeah. sec, and then. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate it, and I think we we had a good time. I had a good time. I had a great time. <laughs> I do this more often, for sure, bud. All right, we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you later, brother. Later. Thank you so much, Tyler, for sitting down and chatting with me. It was great, man. Even though that you were in and out, <laughs> and uh, it was a little choppy. That's okay. I had a good time, brother. Uh, Thank you to everybody listening. Appreciate it so much. Remember, guys, head over to www. Do people say that anymore? www? I think they just say 
the website and then .com slash whatever. But anyway, patreon.com slash the playing on podcast. And uh, that is where you find that. That's where you find my Patreon page and uh, kind of an explanation of, of what it is. I'll also be doing, like I said, I will be doing a launch video to kind of explain it a little bit more. Um, but it's for anybody that has been wanting to support the podcast. Uh, there's finally a way to do that. And uh, I know I've had uh, a few mentions to try and do that thing, and I finally got it up and going. But there it is, patreon.com slash theplayingonpodcast. Uh, but, yeah, thank you guys for listening so much. It was it, it was cool to uh, to kind of do this one, um, this podcast, because you, you hear a bunch of players, but and Tyler's a player still, but, you know, now that he's kind of turning this side gig that he had now into a – you know, into almost a full-fledged bit. Well, it is a full-fledged business, but but it's just cool to see that transition. And uh, for any of you entrepreneurs out there listening, I, I, I recommend you don't know what you don't know what to do until you jump in, man. And especially now with me, you know, being involved in the NPL, and uh, yeah, I've always wanted to be wanted to be an entrepreneur, and this is finally an opportunity to do that, along with being involved in paintball still. So. Um, um, I'm stoked to be a part of it, and uh, I hope uh, you know. I hope you guys get involved, um, show your support for uh, for the podcast itself and for the NPL, and uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. And this candle is it went out, is blowing to my face. But anyway, thank you guys so much. Uh, it's been amazing. Please do not text and drive. Keep your eyes on the road. Stay alive. Don't text and drive. That's it's cheesy, but it's. It's true. It's just like uh, you are what you eat kind of a thing. Anyway, thank you so much, everybody. Appreciate it. Love you all. And uh, we'll see you here again soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace.